0: Welcome to the Change Makers Podcast, produced by City Current and brought to you by Lipscomb and Pitts Insurance. This show shares personal stories and insight from those who are giving back and making a difference so we can learn and do the same. We cover life lessons, business advice, passion, and purpose. Now here's our host, the CEO of City Current, Jeremy Park welcome to the change makers podcast produced by city current I'm your host Jeremy Park we have a dynamic duo good friends of ours you're in for a treat a creative treat so two creatives doing amazing things with their career their family so much to be able to pour good energy into our community and literally around the world with what they're doing so we have CJ Kirkland is how you know her she writes the River City rising blog but she's also Sherita Jackson and she's married to Andre Jackson who is a famous screenwriter and actor, Broadway extraordinaire. So how are you two doing, you two changemakers? Great.
1: Doing great. Glad to be here, man. Thank you.
0: We're excited to share your story because like I said, both of you are passionately pursuing your careers in the creative arts. You're doing it while balancing a family. Let's start though, CJ, on your end. Give us a little bit because you, you two come from very different worlds. And so we'll talk about where you grew up and then we'll talk about meeting and obviously where you are today. But give us a little of your background, CJ.
2: Okay, so Andre and I met in Los Angeles. And prior to Los Angeles, I grew up in the Bahamas. I moved here for college, for school, graduate school, and that's what took me to LA. But growing up for me was very different than Andre growing up in Arkansas. Even though I had a lot of challenges during my childhood, I look back now and that hindsight 2020 thing, and realized I had a very blessed childhood. Like, even though I experienced childhood poverty at times and, you know, some, some family dynamics that weren't gelling all the time, I still feel that that I had a really great childhood. I also lived in the Netherlands for several years, and I actually have a sister who's a judge there now. She's still there. So I've traveled all over. You know, I come from a a very diverse background, Italian-American mother, Bahamian father. My entire family is just very multiracial, multiethnic. So I grew up in that bubble in the Bahamas. And I know we'll touch on this a little later, but, you know, the events that are transpiring now here in the United States, I didn't grow up with that. And not to say that the Bahamas doesn't have its issues, because it definitely does, but I was somehow shielded from that. And I have to thank my parents and my grandmother for doing such a phenomenal job in that I look back on my childhood and go, whoa, this was pretty awesome, you know, even with the little cracks and, and dents and, and, you know, stuff along the way. Uh, so yeah, it, it was pretty neat. Give us something
0: that, from the Bahamas, that culture that you carry with you today, whether it's an energy, a relaxed vibe, like what, what's something you take from the Bahamas that makes you who you are? Andre's going to love this one.
2: So. Yeah,
1: it's definitely not a relaxed vibe. It, she definitely didn't bring that over.
2: <laughs> but I will say, even though even though it's it's not necessarily a relaxed vibe, but I tend to some not, sometimes not have this urgency behind things. Um, so for instance, if, if, if we have a project and Andre's done his part and he gives it to me, my question is, okay, well, what's the deadline? When do you need this by? Whereas if you give something to Andre, he's gonna take it right away and get it, and he's working on it right now because you gave it to him right now. Um, so that's something that, that you know, I, I feel I brought with me. And just to me, an overall sense of inclusion, um, because I remember even sitting in my classroom, I went to a really great private school, but it was such a diverse group of students in that classroom. You know, I had teachers from Africa. I had teachers from England, Canada. You know, I just grew up in a very diverse environment and i feel that that's something i continue to embrace here i mean you know our friend circle is very diverse socioeconomically ethnically you know culturally you name it so i feel that that's probably one of the biggest things that that has carried over into my adulthood and also specifically as far as um lessons that were taught like one thing that i i carry with me from my grandmother is having watched her work as a housekeeper and just really she she owned her own home she never quit you know even when she got cancer she got up every day went to work you know so when i'm having a a kind of icky day i do tend to think of her and and say okay you know if she could push through then i've got to find a way to push through Uh, And that's someone who's who's very big in my life. And Andre, maybe we'll talk about his grandmother a little. But um, and then my parents as well. I mean, they. My father and I used to have really great conversations when I didn't know what I wanted to do, couldn't figure out what I wanted to be in this world. You know, he would sit with me, and and sometimes he was a little stern, but he really pushed me to figure things out. And I have to say, my mom. She was really the first family member to say, you are a writer, period, you know, and, and that is something that really resonates with me day in, day out. When I feel like, you know, I've kind of fallen behind or other things have taken over and I'm not where I want to be career-wise, you know, I'll hear my mom's voice saying, just keep at it. You are a writer. So those are just some of the things that that I, I feel I've brought with me from the Bahamas, nice. to where I am now. Give
0: us one tradition maybe um, that you've taken from your family and made it a part of your family now.
2: Ooh, well, the food.
1: The, the <laughs> food, but the but food. also, also um, the Bahamas is a, is a predominantly Christian country and we, we definitely incorporate that into our lives and into our, our home. I mean, right. it's a, we we pray every day together. We sit down and have meals together. We bless our food together. Spirituality is always a part of whatever we do. We make big decisions in life, small decisions in life. Uh, our faith uh, guides us, and that's very prevalent in the Bahamas. It and is. in The times that I've been, it is a uh, it's a country that's guided heavily by their Christian values. So. That's definitely a part
0: of our lives. Nice. Well, last question for you, CJ, and then we'll switch over to Andre's story is talk about running, because I think that's something that's a big part of your story and life as well.
2: For sure. So for me, running has always been an outlet. So, you know, those little hiccups that I kind of alluded to during my childhood, when something was going on that I couldn't control, you know, that that was a source of pain for me. I went out and I ran. And um, I did I did fairly well, pretty well I guess as a distance runner all the way through college. And even now this is something we were talking about this morning is that we still find comfort and peace in going out and getting some sort of physical activity in. So I'm still running. You know, there are t- sometimes I listen to music. And sometimes like here in Memphis, it's such a great city for runners because I won't have any music at all. And I, I just am taking in what's around me. You know, we have the river and the trails and I mean, you name it, parks, Shelby Farms. So that is definitely something that has helped me keep my mental state kind of, you know, intact. Yeah. Um. Absolutely. And and it's, a, and you know, Fitness is a big part of Andre's life too. So I'm sure he'll, you know, <laughs> also speak on that. But running, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, It has been the one constant in my life for as long as I can remember. You know, even though we moved to different cities, even though, you know, my, my family dynamic changed, running never changed. You know, it's been an outlet. I think
0: those are important things to know yourself where, to your point, that's a balancing point for you. Like you said, different cities, different moments in your life, and yet that was a constant to ground you, but also, too, to help you with your your mental health to make sure that you are stable and focused and can make the best of every situation, especially being healthy. So let's go ahead and switch over to you, Andre. That's a good segment, but give us a little bit of your childhood and where you grew up, as CJ mentioned, Arkansas, but give us a little bit of your background.
1: Yeah, I grew up over in Forest City, Arkansas, just about a half an hour drive from here. Um, I was raised by my grandmother as well, uh, my little sister and I. And, uh, you know, we grew up also um, poverty stricken. I I didn't realize it at the time because we were so happy. (laughs) And I didn't, it's all I knew. Everyone around me belongs sort of to the same socioeconomic class. The only difference I ever saw is when I would go to school. And Forest City at that time was was pretty segregated. We weren't that long from when there were separate high schools for blacks and whites. And even when I was there, we had separate proms. Uh, We had separate homecoming courts. I was homecoming king and I had my black queen and there was a white homecoming king and a white queen. And that was just how it was. But, you know, through all that, my grandmother said
0: in though, like, hey, this isn't right. I mean, I, I know like you're saying that that yeah. how it was and when you're growing up, maybe you don't think anything different. But I'm just curious, like, did did it ever occur to you like, oh, man, this is so weird or just was it just part of that time? And that's just what, what it was.
1: It, the, the, it seems so bizarre to me now at the time, because it's all I ever knew and no one else questioned it. The adults didn't question it. None of the other kids questioned it. The administrators at the school didn't question it. It was in the paper. It wasn't a a secret to anyone in town. I never never questioned it. As I got older and I realized that that was not the norm, I did uh, have lots of questions. How could this still exist uh, in the 90s, you know, um, the late 90s, that we're having two separate proms, you know? and things have changed a lot since then, but but even then my grandmother, uh, she made an extra effort to get me outside of that bubble, outside of being inside that little world where everything's separated based on skin color. And it opened my eyes to a lot of things, I think that eventually led to me doing the things that I'm doing today. Um, I realized the value in diversity and how awesome and fun and interesting diversity is. And so when I graduated high school, uh, I enlisted in the Marine Corps and you're traveling the world. And you're experiencing not just diversity in this country, but diversity all over the globe. And the beauty in that and how much that benefits us as a, as a society. And then uh, I came here, back, came back here for college at University of Memphis. And I trans- I'm still transferring around because of my military status and my senior year. I found myself not having enough credits to graduate. Uh, I didn't have enough fine arts credits. So I took an a acting class because a buddy of mine who was in the Marine Corps said it's an easy A.
0: So <laughs> up until then, you hadn't done acting like wasn't even in your mind. It wasn't until, because I, no. I was going to ask you, is at what point does acting kind of enter the equation? But So it's college for you. After it's Marine. college.
1: I mean, I was in a, a, you know, I was talking to a, I think I was, talking, I was talking to my sister uh, about a week ago, and she said, oh, well, you, you did that play in high school. And I said, yeah, that was for the girls. Uh, <laughs> there were tons of girls in that play. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I was had acting no desire. to act. I was acting to impress girls. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Can I get in on these rehearsals, is what I wanted to know, you know? So, no, acting, where, where I'm from, Jeremy, no one aspires to professionally act. It's something you do as a hobby. Because I'm from a an agricultural town. Uh, there was manufacturing there. It was big in the 80s and in the 90s. The, the huge Sanyo plant was there that employed half our town. Uh, half my family uh, were farmers. So for me to even have an, an idea that one day I'd be on a stage singing and dancing or in front of a camera acting, it was nonsense. So. It never even dawned on me that this would be something I would be interested in. But now when you talk to all my friends, they say, oh, of, dude, of course you're an actor. You were an actor from elementary school, <laughs> you know. But you're but, not uh, an actor. Into college, you're a I
0: singer. That. I mean, you are you're a professional. And so I think it's funny because when you say actor, you know, some people are like, oh, okay. But I think we've got to put it in perspective. Like, you're singing on Broadway and The mm-hmm. Lion King and these, you know, mm-hmm. huge musicals. And then you're on TV shows. I mean, you're a professional actor who has an amazing voice and skill and talent and obviously a screenwriter too. But where did the singing and all that, because that's a whole nother level of like, okay, it's one thing to act. It's a whole nother to actually be on Broadway and be singing professionally as well. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Jeremy, let
2: me quickly interject here. (laughs) (laughs) We have been dating for, I, I don't know how long, long enough.
1: Two years,
0: I think.
2: Uh, and I did not know he could sing. So uh, he doesn't sing around the house. He doesn't, anyway, I just had to throw that in there because people ask me all the time oh, so does he sing for you? No, he does not.
0: <laughs> Would you like him to sing for you? That's the, the better question. <laughs> That's the question. See, yeah. Meredith, oh, I'm oh, yeah. like, he sings, but he doesn't sing any of the songs that I like. So I don't really <laughs> want him to sing.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll work on that for our uh 20th anniversary. We'll come up oh, okay. with see, this okay. is why I love this
0: podcast is you get both sides, right? Like you, you get the you get the story and then you get the interjection of okay, but wait a second, there's more to the <laughs> yeah. story. Yeah. yeah, but please continue, Andre. Yeah. Continue. And I, I, knew, I knew you were gonna bring, going to bring that
1: up too. Interview. I knew you were gonna bring that up. But uh I, I grew up singing in the church. My grandmother, she was the president of our choir at church, Salem Missionary Baptist Church. And I was at every choir rehearsal, even before I was in the choir. I just I just had to be there because of her. And you know, I'd be singing in the in the back pew, waiting on the rehearsal to be over. And then one day she said, "You you should be in the choir. You have a nice voice." Uh, and my father was a, a very good singer, and as, as as well uh, as my grandmother was too. And uh, I just thought that everyone could sing because everyone in my family could sing. I have a an uncle here who was. Um, Ambassador to the United States for music. He's from here in Memphis. He used to teach at Craigmont. And so uh, singing was never something that I thought, at least me singing, was never something that I thought was special until I went to the academy where I studied acting professionally and realized that everyone cannot sing. No. <laughs> Everyone can <laughs> and, uh, I
0: saying, most people cannot sing, especially most we cannot actors. Sing. Like we can fake it, but there's a whole different level of like there's faking it and then there's Broadway and there's a huge span in between.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean when I when I got there, they definitely helped me understand my voice and how to use my voice and techniques and things like that. Uh so that I could do this professionally and not just rely on, you know, my God given talents. But um I you know I started in the church, and from there, I went to the academy, and they really honed all those skills acting skills it's it's a conservatory, so everything acting related i mean from from dealing with masks and body movement and singing and that, all that stuff all altogether. so that really honed all those skills that I'm using now all the time.
0: but that's an important piece of the equation too that people don't see is how much sweat equity you've put into your career to developing it it wasn't like oh magically you were just found and thrust onto broadway or into tv shows this is something that you have seriously poured your heart and soul and taken it very serious to be a professional to get to that level one last question for you and then we'll talk about you two meeting is how did your service in the marine corps change you or help give you a foundation for success for what you're doing now
1: Yeah. The, the discipline that's required, uh, it's, it's mandatory in the Marine Corps as, as they are, as it is in every branch of our service. Um, you really have to have a a disciplined mindset. It can't be an option. If it's something that's serious to you, you have to pursue it. You have to pursue with everything you have. So that's definitely a big part of it, but also, you know, the, the confidence that you gain from being uh, a member of the military once for me, I was just having this conversation the other day with someone. Once you, past what was for me one of the most mentally challenging parts of my life. After that, you you understand that whatever I put my mind to doing, I can accomplish it. So, CJ, uh, she says all the time, "I have no quit in me."
2: He, what? What? No. What we say is he ain't got no quit in him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's because, you know, once I feel like I really want to do something, and I'm not, I'm not the kind of person that would, I, I want to do everything. Uh, but when I set my mind to doing something and I dedicate myself, once again, dedication, I dedicate myself to doing something, I'm going to do it. And I understand that it's not going to happen overnight, like, just like you said. It's not going to be easy. As a matter of fact, most things in life that are worth having are not easy to attain. So um, I'm, I'm there for the long haul. And I've loved this profession since the first day I started doing it uh, in college. And through all the ups and downs, I've made, remained consistent. I've poured everything into it every single day. It's always something, even if I'm not actively working on it, I'm thinking about it all the time because it's, it's a passion.
0: One last question it dawned to me I want to ask before we switch over and talk about how you met. So we're going to continue this on. For you being an actor, how does that help you? Because being an actor, you have to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And I think for most people, that can be a difficult thing. But for actors, that's part of the requirement is you have to literally immerse yourself in someone else to become Mm -hmm. that character, to become that person. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: How does that help you with just dealing with people, dealing with society, understanding, looking at things from a different perspective? How does that help and change you?
1: It's just like you said, it's it's looking at things from from a perspective other than your own and empathizing with people. I mean, everything I do uh, everywhere I go, my sister just said this a couple of weeks ago. she said he's always watching and paying attention.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and very true I, I'm a lover of people i love I love human beings. I think we're fascinating, we're so complex. Uh, everyone has a different story. Yet we're all bound together with this same oneness. We want the same things out of life. Uh, we 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 love our children. We wanna we wanna have happiness. We wanna have great health. We wanna we want all these things. But at the same time, we're we're so unique. So I do it professionally. But that doesn't mean that the average person walking down the street can't take a moment out of their life, take the time to understand what someone who's very different from them may be going through, the feelings that they may feel. I've portrayed everything from a lion to a uh, FBI agent, but I'm neither of those things. But I just imagine what it must feel like to be that thing or that person in that moment. And it gave me a, a great sense of empathy and understanding for what other people go through. And if I think if we all did that, just in life, not necessarily on stage or in front of a camera, the world would be a better place. I think that we would all find more commonalities within one another than differences.
0: Yeah, Amen to that.
2: And, and definitely, if, if I can quickly add, Jeremy, that Andre was such a big force in my life as far as telling me and teaching me, look beneath the surface, because that is one cultural thing I have to <laughs> uh, backpedal. In the Bahamas, I grew up, you just said what was true. It didn't if matter a if, it, <laughs> if, <he's a> <laughs> if it hurts someone's feelings, yeah. You're, you know, always, but it's the truth. And I remember Andre saying, you know, he he was that Southern gentleman. And he said, well, just because it's true doesn't mean you say it. And so that was just one element of this, this lesson for me, this life lesson of looking beneath the surface. So he has taught me definitely, to to really touch on that empathy sympathy you know see someone not for surface value but what else might be going on in their life that is causing them to act or react a certain way so i have to give him a lot of credit for helping me grow in that area
0: yeah that helps your writing too because that that deepens your your source and your purpose in your writing so I'll throw it to either one of you, but just talk about you two meeting and obviously your family now with Luke and just talk about your family. So talk about meeting and your family.
2: Yeah, Andre, yeah. You, you t- you're better at the story than I am.
0: <laughs> the story. She'll, yeah. she'll, you can tell it and then she'll just poke the holes in it.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. So um, we, we met in L.A., uh, like she said earlier, and we she moved into the apartment building where I live. Um, now, my best friend, who also lived maybe two buildings down from me, would come to my house because he didn't have a television. <laughs> so he struggling he
2: artist.
1: Yeah, struggling artist, struggling artist. No judgment, you know. I, I'm lucky I have a. It's television. a
0: typical LA story. So
1: yeah, hey, yeah. a typical <laughs> LA story. Yeah. So you know, you share resources, right, Jeremy? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. he he w- he would go to my house during the day when I was at work, and he watched television. And CJ just moved to our building and the building she was moving from in that building, their trash room was on the bottom floor through these big double doors. (laughs) Well, in my building, bottom floor, double doors, that was my apartment. So she just assumed it was the same layout and she burst in with all these bags of trash and boxes. And my friend was there watching television and he was more than happy to help her take out her trash. <laughs> so uh, when I came back to the house, he told me, oh man, Andre, there is this woman in this building. She is gorgeous. And
0: uh, we lived she in a just gave you country. a whole bunch of trash. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> I took a whole bunch well, of trash.
2: And, and then my question was, well, why was the door unlocked, you know? Because I just swung the door if, open. <laughs> if,
1: you, if you knew this friend, you'd understand. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, he, he, he would he come over there every day looking for this girl. And I said, man, I don't know what girl you're talking about. I, I, I haven't seen this girl that you've described at all in this building. And then one day, she knocked on the door, and I answered it, and opened it, and I was just floored. This beautiful woman was standing there, and immediately I knew that this had to be the girl that he was talking about. And she said, oh, I just came to tell your friend, thank you, he helped me with all my stuff, and... I just wanted to give. I think she was giving him a, a Starbucks gift card, something like, <laughs> you know. So I said, "Oh well, he doesn't live here, but I, I live here. My name's Andre." And she, she goes, "Oh, nice to meet you." But in my defense, for weeks I tried to play matchmaker and get them together. And one but day you she said, "You tried to know, help your
0: friend. You I were tried. wow. You're such a I good tried. friend."
1: I tried. I uh, tried, but she one. She eventually said. You know, I'm not interested. He's, he seems like a great guy, but I'm just not. I, I, you know, not looking for a relationship. I said, okay, no problem. But she and I, by then, it struck up a, a genuine friendship. Friendship. So we were friends, like yeah. seriously, best friends for yeah. a long yeah. time. And then one day, she said to me, she says, "Uh, you're going to the Bahamas." Yeah. And she says, "Uh, well, I'm gonna miss you. Here's the keys to my car. Don't forget to move it." for street sweeping, and and I love you. And you love me too. You just don't know it yet. And she drove away and left me with that for like like a month. (laughs) And I was calling, I was calling everybody. I was calling my friends, calling my family. Do I love this girl? What is love? Because I'd never been in a relationship like that before. And certainly not with a person like that before. That's But she was right. That's
0: like she was enemy. 100% right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. She came back. Peace out. I'm brand. in love with you. You're in love with me. I'm leaving. Move my car. Look, uh, yeah, I exactly. needed,
2: listen, yeah. Jerry, I car. needed to make sure that I needed to make sure that that car got moved and it didn't get towed on street sweeping day. So listen, here's the deal. I love you. You love me. Make sure the car gets moved.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah and the rest one is way to definitely build some trust right out of the that's gate.
2: Really, that's right. right out of the gate. That's right. Yeah.
0: So 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 where are you now? So obviously you you live in Memphis, but you've got homes elsewhere. So you spend time in New York and Los Angeles. And yeah. doing what you all do, you have the ability, but it's also to um on, on your end kind of the responsibility. Of being in different places and so you have a different family dynamic where you're both pursuing careers mm-hmm. what you do you have to be literally on either coast at different times and so yeah. you've got homeschooling as a part of this equation so, so talk about now just kind of where you are and balancing all these different dynamics
1: yeah well um, we, I spend most of my time professionally either in LA or New York and but this is our home and this has always been home to us Uh, we purposely decided to move here when we were looking for where we're going to get our next place. And we decided to get a place here in Memphis because we knew we wanted to start a family. We knew we wanted to be in a place that was away from the the hustle and bustle the craziness of the coasts, somewhere where we could recharge, stay grounded to who we are spiritually, emotionally, uh, and maintain these relationships with people who meant a lot to us. So we just love Memphis. Uh, and I, I can't imagine ever not living here in some capacity, but, uh, right now it's home in LA and, and New York. That's, that's work. And CJ started, she could speak about this, but she started homeschooling our, our nine-year-old nine-year-old a couple of years ago because it just fit our family, uh, our lifestyle.
0: Talk about that CJ in terms of you and your writing and, and, um, Homeschooling, obviously, and just balancing those different pieces with Luke,
2: yeah, so on the writing end, you know, when you and I met and you helped guide me you know to really figure out how I wanted to bring all of these ideas in my head and and put them in in black and white and and so I really enjoyed writing stories, you know, working with nonprofits and just really telling other people's narratives, not so much my own because that, you know, is what blesses me. Just hearing what they've experienced, being able to push that out in a positive way. And then also with with the production company, we have, you know, doing a lot of the editing and, you know, I've done some ghostwriting. So there are all these pieces to the writing puzzle that, you know, I've tried to just kind of keep intact along the way. Um, There have been times, you know, that I've had to stop, you know, hit the pause button on my writing because family came first and Andre was working on a big project and Luke needed to be homeschooled. So I would hit the pause button. You know, we have been homeschooling for a couple of years and that's going well. And it just made sense for us. You know, he was in traditional school for a couple of years. We, you know, we loved his teachers. It was an amazing place for him. But the more we started to travel and, and the more Andre was being moved around for these different projects, even though his, his base still is New York, you know, but he'd, you know, have to fly out to LA for something or Atlanta, and I think he was in Canada at one point. Yeah. You know, so it, it just made sense for us to try this homeschooling thing, you know, and, and just kind of see where it led us. And it's definitely the best fit right now for our family. Um, Luke loves it. Uh, he's always learning. Yeah, Luke
1: loves it. Luke loves it. <laughs> he's,
2: you know, he's always learning. So no matter where we are, it's a lesson. There's a lesson there. And as far as balancing on my end, the reality is I have days that I just feel I am on top of the world. Luke has listened to me. We have breezed through everything we needed to breeze through. I mean, it is just marvelous today. And then there are some days I call Andre and he answers the phone, like, I can't do this. You know, it's just that that happens. But then you kind of get back up and, and, you know, keep it moving. And um, also quickly, just, just to touch on that, I want to say that for me, if I did not have a great group of people around me from the homeschool community, from the nonprofit community, you know, professional mentors uh, that really just inspire me to keep going and encourage me to not give up, when I hit these little roadblocks, you know, I, I really, it would be a much more difficult journey for me. So that has been a blessing in itself just here in Memphis, where I've been able to tap into these networks professionally and personally and take them with me wherever I go.
0: And I think that's so critical, especially with what we're dealing with right now with COVID-19 and just, you know, quarantining and social isolation in many cases having that network in place so that you can call. You've already established those relationships. So even though you might be distant physically, you can still maintain the mental connection and and go through Zoom and these online platforms. And you can still find the energy for people to still pour into you, which I think is so, so important for mental health. And just to be able to, to make it through, because like you said, you're gonna have good days, but you're also gonna have a lot of bad days. And to know that you're loved and that people care for you and have your back and will encourage you that will help you make it through the the days that are a little bit low or dark because yeah. Yeah, you, you mentioned the production company but i think it's cool because now you two really are working together both as writers and production company uh, partners if you will you've got you, you mentioned you know hit the pause button and stop but stop is a, a a production that you all have done which i've seen it and it's it's amazing and i'll let you kind of share the story andre because it's relevant for what we're dealing with at the same time. There's so many moments where I'm like, oh, wait, this could happen and this could happen and this could happen. And then all of a sudden, like it goes this direction. But it's it's an amazing story of you playing an officer with a family and you pull over someone um, and I'll let you kind of tell the story. But it's, it's there's a lot of twists and turns that are really cool. And um, it, it's just a very powerful story. So talk about you two as a production company and working together and then talk about Stop.
1: Sure. Yeah, um, thank you for that, by the way. Um, we, we realized a long time ago that we complement each other in a lot of ways professionally, just like we do in our personal lives. Um, CJ's a fantastic writer. And I started writing screenplays, uh, really because I was looking for an outlet to be creative um, because I wasn't working and I had all these ideas and I'm a lover of cinema. And we sat down together over breakfast at, uh, at Sunrise, Memphis, here, one of our favorite places. And before we knew it, we, we'd gone, it, it'd been maybe two or three hours, we were just going back and forth with these ideas about a series. And th- I, that's when it really clicked that I have my best writing partner right here in front of me every day. And I, we'd never taken advantage of that. People had told us that for years, but because her writing is so different from the things that I was doing, I never saw the the correlation. I didn't see how one could help the other really at all. But that one breakfast at sunrise, uh, we sort of established our, it, you know, uh, unintentionally established our production company right, right there. And so I said, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this a step further. I'm gonna see if I can develop this, and I want you to help me help me with it. So I'd write stuff, and I'd give it to her, and she'd edit it, and or she'd say, oh, this doesn't flow quite right. And before we knew it, we had a script. Uh, we showed the script around to some folks, found a director who was really passionate about it. We cast it, we filmed it, we put it out there for the world to see, and it was incredibly successful. Uh, I, I'm so blessed and I'm just so grateful for all the success the film has had over the last year. Um, and for the film itself, Stop, It's the name of it? It's It's a film that's really about assumptions that we make as you said, there are a lot of times where you think the story is gonna go this way and it completely goes another way. And it's not just to try to do some sort of mind trickery with the audience, but it's it's to show us how we make these pre-judgments on people, on situa- situations that oftentimes are just dead wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that it touches on is, is the, the amount of stress and the responsibility that our men and women in uniform are under all the time. Um, there, there's a character in it who is a, a former police officer and he, we meet him at the lowest point in his life. And it's a culmination of the personal and professional stress that he's endured in his career. And he meets my character, who, who all, who's also a, a man in uniform, a current police officer. And they realize they have so much more in common than you initially realized in the beginning. And though the his the, the, the former police officer's past was difficult and he sees it as possibly a waste or meaningless, you realize the impact that that work and that sort of service, when done with purity of heart and purpose, what the service that it does to the world and to the community. Now, it happens in the story in a microcosm between these two characters, but it's really a metaphor for life. And, you know, we... You being one of these people, I'd say, Jeremy, you, you give, 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 sometimes without the expectation or the uh, awareness of, is it ever going to come back my way? And that's not why you give, but you want your life to mean something. You want your life to have purpose. And oftentimes our lives have so much purpose, though we don't realize it. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of those themes I'm really proud of the work that we did with the the film and we're working on another one right now that touches on a lot of those those same themes and a a whole lot more, it's a much bigger project. And uh, yeah, the the production company so far has just grown so rapidly and I'm I'm just so excited. It's one of the most exciting things going on for us
0: right now. Well, and I love the way you articulate the, the film Stop because to your point, you get to see the ripple effect play out Mm-hmm. in a way that you would have never expected it necessarily going in. It's really cool. Right. On both ends, you get to see that purpose and uh, the ripple effect. Yeah. The thing is by having a production company, I think as an actor, especially it's it's always tough because you're almost at the whim isn't the right word, but It's like you have a hard time controlling your own career because you have to get through like a casting director and then this and then that. And, you know, there's so many reasons why they could choose you or not you. And, you know, you walk in and there's 10,000 people that look just like you and they choose one that's a little taller than you or a little smaller than you. So many times you feel like, man, I have no control over my own career. But yet a production company where you can literally take control and then work together in tandem is a really powerful way for you to take control of your own career and destiny talk about that in terms of what that means for the two of you working together like you said but also to the trajectory that it now puts you on where you have control in a really cool way to tell these powerful stories
1: yeah you're absolutely right i mean as an actor you usually you're especially when you first start out unless you're the star of the of something you're the last consideration. You're the last piece of the puzzle is who we're gonna to get to play this part. And you can get or lose a part based on a variety of issues. When, I, when we started our production company, that, when we had that meeting at, at Sunrise, it was off, we were coming off the back of me losing, having gone through all the auditions, all the tapings, meeting the directors, being cast and losing several projects because the project just, just fell apart or the executives decided they want to rewrite the whole thing, we, I, I lost those two parts and it, they, were, they were life-changing opportunities. And that frustration just bubbled over to me wanting to have some sort of control about, over my career. So what happened was I started writing for myself. I started thinking, well, what, what are the stories that I want to tell that I never get an opportunity to, do, to tell? And what are the roles that I'd like to play that frankly rarely ever exist, especially for people of color, unfortunately. So yes, yeah, writing myself, producing my own films, I can tell those stories that, you know, that, that are, that you rarely get a chance to tell as an actor. Yeah.
0: Rarely. CJ, let's flip it to you. What's something that you want everyone to know about you and your writing?
2: Um, I was thinking about that actually as Andre was speaking. What I feel we've gotten to, the place we've gotten to, is how do we make the world different using the gifts that are within us, that God has placed in us. So for me, the writing part of it, you know, I I struggled for a long time. And if you speak to friends of mine that have known me for 25, 30 years, you know, they'll say that there was always some indication that this is where I would end up. And so really what I want to do with my writing is, is use it as best as I can to somehow make a difference in this world as a whole, in the life of someone else. You know, I never know who is going to read my word. This is something that Andre, he laughs at me because every time I write something, I'll say, well, I guess maybe two people will read it. And that's, you know, that's who was meant to read. Like, I never feel that anyone is going to read it, but it doesn't matter. I'm still going to put all of my heart into it. It doesn't matter to me how many people may or may not read it. I'm going to give it my all because to me, this is the gift with which I've been blessed and I have to use it wisely. I have to use it to instill, you know, hope and and faith and just goodness you know not not abuse it or not let it sit dormant and and that's something i was actually talking to a friend of mine you know about everything that's going on and the protest and you know really we believe okay we are finally getting to a better place you know voices are being heard and she felt guilty because she said well i'm not i'm not on the front lines of any of these protests and i said well neither am i And Bernice King, you know, Dr. King's daughter made a statement. She said, not all of us are meant to be on the front line with a megaphone. And I told her, I said, use your gifts to make a difference. Even in this movement, you know, even in the Black Lives Matter movement, there are are artists. You could paint a beautiful portrait and someone will stop and reflect on that and go out and make a donation you know, because this portrait or this, this, you know, painting has made such an impact on how they now see Black lives or see Black culture. Um, and there's actually an amazing gallery in Orange Mound called The Complex that, you know, presents all of these, these really thought-provoking pieces. So whatever your gift, that is what you use to make this world a better place. You know, and and that's where I am with my writing. You know, would I love to be a best-selling author? Of course. I mean, I don't know any writer who doesn't want that. But in the day-to-day, what matters most to me is whomever is reading what I write, it somehow pulls on them, you know, to take that with them and, and make a difference in someone else's life, or at least stop and think about what's going on. And um you know, even for us, like with this month, you know, it, it's Pride. It's Pride Month. And we talk about just being a support and being a safe space for our friends who are part of the LGBTQ plus community. You yeah. know, um, we want them to know, hey, you can come to our home. You can laugh. With, you know, it, it's, it's a safe place. And I, I feel especially with the pandemic, there's so much pain. There's so much isolation going on that we just want to publicly say, you know, we're here for you. You know, if you need us, reach out. We're here. And I do that sometimes through my writing. Andre does that through, you know, his work, his acting, his, his script writing. We, we just want to be a positive light in someone else's life.
0: Yeah. And, you know, what's, what's interesting is that you're talking, I was thinking, what's one word that I would use to describe your writing? And the word that comes to mind is pure it's it's pure it's from the heart and i think you always have an ability to connect and even on my end the feedback we get from river city rising people love your writing because it's pure it's from the heart it's a it's a positive slant in terms of the way you take even very dark things and you you help us to see the good and at the same time how do we activate on that and so it's it's from a pure place it's pure i I love it so for for both Thank of you give me and CJ you've already kind of done this a little bit and even Andre has as well but give me something that you've learned we'll start with you CJ give me something that you've learned from Andre
2: wow um so much i've learned discipline you know i i've learned to stick with something uh and i won't cry on your podcast <laughs> but um You know, I've learned to not give up. You know, when we met in L.A., we we had nothing. We were the epitome of broke artists. You know, you know the L.A. life. And you just, you go, go go every day. And and some days just seem so hopeless. They seem like you're never going to, you know, you take two steps forward and then you're punched in the gut and you fall all the way back. You know, and I remember there were days, you know, we were in L.A. and I'd say, listen, I'm I'm moving back to the Bahamas. This is not working. I'm going to get a little hut on the beach. I don't need much, but I can't do this. And he'd say, no, you can't. You can't give up. You know, um, let's keep going. And it definitely helped for me to have someone, you know, whose hand I could hold to walk with me, you know, through the most difficult times. So I would say one one of the biggest or two of the biggest lessons, you know, discipline and and persistence perseverance. Uh, he will not allow me to give up. And even with my writing, you know, sometimes there's there's something I do want to write about, and I'm scared to death because it is a, a touchy subject. You know, it, it it could be considered controversial or or I won't say divisive, but but people are definitely going to see things one way or the other. And, and he'll tell me, just just go with your heart. Go with your gut. So, so he's the, um, what, what would you say, Andre? What do I, oh, I always call him the optimist. I'm the realist and he's the optimist because he does not think that there's anything that we cannot do. That's him. Whereas I'm the realist, I'm like, well, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so much
0: similarity between our relationship and you two and your relationship, in terms of me and Meredith and like you two. So. Oh really? I, I okay. definitely okay. am yeah. the Andre, and she's definitely the CJ. So, what's yeah. something that you, Andre, have learned from CJ?
1: Oh, I mean, her her compassion. I mean, I have in my life, and I've I've met a lot of people. I've never met anyone who is more actively compassionate toward other people. It's a, it's a joke in our, in our household between Luke and I. If she, if we see someone in need, and now, watch, it's going to happen even more now because of this. I'm saying that on podcast. If she sees someone in need, whether it's an emotional need, uh, a, a, a financial need, uh, it, it doesn't matter. She's going to stop whatever she's doing, and she's going to tend to their need. She's going to at least, go, she's going to check in and say, are you okay? We were driving down the street over, uh, leaving Target, leaving Colonial a few weeks ago. And there was a stray dog walking down the street. And she says, oh, look, there's a stray dog. And I said, okay, there's my afternoon. I already knew what's going to happen. It's my, the rest of my day, is going to be about this dog. And Jeremy, no kidding, it, it was, it was, the sun was setting. And we were still trying to coax this dog in with, with the other half of my sandwich that I hadn't gotten a chance to eat yet, trying to coax him into our car. And she did not talk about me not stopping. She didn't stop until she knew that dog was safely at the vet and had, they, they identified the owner with the chip thing. And even then, she still didn't stop. She said, Call me to tell me that the owners picked the dog up. And the, the owner didn't pick the dog up. So she went back out there to get the dog and found a permanent home for the dog but she, she wow that's just one example of yeah. what it's like I'm gonna say, for listeners, every day. the
0: thing is knowing you too and knowing cj like everything you're saying i can myself like say that's exactly 100 accurate
1: <laughs> you <laughs> know is,
0: it yeah. you know her yeah that
1: is who she is i yeah. mean we see people out all the time she stops and if someone's in in need of something or hurting or my son and I go we just go we'll we'll see you in the car because we know this is going to take this is going to take a while she's not going to leave until things are okay but and that's, that's something I've learned from my that to incorporate into my life because we do need to sometimes stop and look at one another and just say art check in are you okay because the default response is oh I'm cool I'm good I'm fine how are you but that Oftentimes, it's not the reality of what that person's going through or, the situ- or what the situation is. She, she walks into a room, and it's like she scans the place for someone who needs an ear, a shoulder. And I love that about her. I, I've, I've never met anyone who's consistently like that, and, and it's just a part of who they are. And that's, that's one thing I've, I try to take a little piece of that uh it's it, that's that's kind of hard in new york city but
2: <laughs> well no i never
1: babe. make it to the theater in time
2: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it drives them crazy when we go to target because you know i'm gonna talk to the cashier and
1: how are you and how's your day and you know
0: yeah, but that's yeah. why we love you cj so i mean that's why we love you yeah that's, that's why we love you that's just part of it so uh, we'll switch over and do kind of a lightning round to wrap up. So short questions, fairly short answers, but we'll give both of you a chance to kind of chime in. What's, what's something that you each like to do to relax?
1: Oh, it, together or individually? Either one. I love going to the gym. I love working out. I love fitness. I every morning, she's still in the bed and I roll over, I give her a kiss and I say, I'm going to the gym. And now I'm at, I go to Harvard town fitness here in Harvard town. Uh, it's a little gym, it's a private gym, but it's they're keeping everything really clean and all these quarantine measures. The owner is fantastic about that stuff. so he provides a safe place for me to have an outlet because when I wasn't working out, it, you know, I, I wasn't a happy Andre. So for me, exercise, I love it. CJ, what about you?
2: He loves it. Uh, reading for me, it's reading, you know, and uh, Luke is very much like Andre. they love watching movies. Uh, but for me, it's, you know, I just, I want to pick up a book and go into a corner and get lost in, in what I'm reading. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then you mentioned together. So what do you like to do to relax together? We, we do, do everything together.
2: Yeah. We love eating out. <laughs> yeah, we, that's right.
1: we're foodies. We're big yeah. on foodies. We, we, will, we will plan out our entire week uh as as far as (laughs) breakfast lunch breakfast lunch dinner and even snacks in between yeah (laughs) what we're gonna have we sit up and we watch you know those food shows yeah we we make lists of oh we gotta go try that place we gotta try that place and then she'll uh she'll duplicate a lot of the rest of our our favorite recipes so uh well the
0: aspiring chef himself too right absolutely
1: he was this just this morning he was like daddy you got to come watch this show with me. And it's oftentimes something Pokemon related, but instead it was like final chef. What was the name of the thing he was trying to um, give me? Yeah. The, just, it, it's a one of his cooking competitions yeah. where they're, they're cooking stuff that I can't even pronounce. Right. And he just wants to, he sits there with his blanket and he just, it's like, he's watching, you know, uh, X-Men or something or, or something from the Marvel universe. He's so yeah. fixated on that.
2: Yeah. And I mean, there's so much. It's funny because we paused at the question because there's so much we do together and we genuinely enjoy being together. You know, it's not that I don't get on his nerves sometimes, you know, or, you know, I guess he gets on mine sometimes. Yeah, I guess
1: guess a better question for us would be what do you not do together? Because,
2: yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah, because we do so much together. I think that I definitely watch way more TV than she does. She hates it. Sometimes she gets to the point where she says, I can't take the sign of the television for another five minutes. And she has to go into her room, like she said, and read. But I think TV, for sure. We don't watch a lot of television together.
0: Give me a quote or a saying that inspires you. Uh,
2: I guess this is the the compassionate side that he was talking about but uh the verse in the bible and i can't remember the uh book it's in or the specific verse but jesus wept you know that is something that you know i I have a a best friend who's who's going through a a difficult fight for her life right now and um andre will, will come home and and my eyes are red and puffy because i've been crying and one thing that I had to tell Luke when he was young and he would see me kind of break down when, when I was talking about something painful, I always say, well, you know, Jesus Jesus cried. it's okay. These aren't always sad tears. These are sometimes happy tears. And so for me, that's such a powerful verse. Um, I know it, it initially sounds kind of sad, but it's not. It, Jesus wept. And then for us as Christians, you know, we reflect on, what came after and all of the good that happened after his weeping stopped and uh that that's one of the the more powerful uh verses in my life of any book i read lots of books but of any book it just happens to be that this quote is from the bible of of all the books that i read
0: andre
1: for me um because i i get so much inspiration and, and motivation from my family um and i'm a huge fan of the rocky movies the wow. first rocky is my favorite movie of all time and uh we, we even had the theme music playing at our wedding <laughs> that's how much we like or I, I at least i love Rocky. Yeah. and uh there's a there's a scene in the first movie where i don't, I don't know how well you know it jeremy but uh Sebastian Stallone he's playing the Rocky character, and he's talking to uh, his best friend, and he's dating his best friend's sister, Adrian. And his best friend goes, "I don't get it, man. What do you see in her?" And Rocky says, "Gaps." And he said, "What's what's gaps?" He goes, "I don't know. I got gaps. She got gaps. Together, we fill gaps." And that's how I feel about our relationship as you mentioned we work together now we have this production company together but even before we did that we both come from difficult backgrounds it wasn't easy for either one of us growing up and what happens in situations like that you form gaps you form gaps in your life in your in your heart in your mind and i think you can go through life if you don't fill those gaps you can go through life trying to fill it with the wrong thing and with us i think we've just filled each other's gaps so perfectly that we just motivate each other and fuel each other and feed each other. And uh, it's, it's, it's something I hope that I wish everyone could have. And I wish my son could have. And I think that whether you find that in a person or you find that in a, in a profession or something, you need something to fill those gaps, to make you whole and to make you feel like, tomorrow I'm gonna get out there and I'm gonna work harder, I'm gonna do it better than I did it today. And that she does that for me, but that quote always uh, it resonates in my head all the time. Yeah. I got gaps. She got
2: gaps. And to get he, them Andre just proved my point on the titles that I've given us. He's the optimist. I'm the realist. So I'm talking about crying. You're not, oh, no, it's, a, it's part of life. And he's <laughs> like, oh, but look at how positive everything is. You know, there <laughs> you go. <laughs>
0: this is awesome. All right. So, you two being foodies, give me a favorite spot in Memphis, and then give me a favorite spot anywhere else. So it could be oh. New York, LA, around the world, wherever you want to throw. So give me a favorite spot you enjoy in Memphis and a favorite spot somewhere else.
1: Oh, I'll, I'll do the somewhere else one. You, you do the Memphis one.
2: Oh, for me, Sunrise. It, it's, it's hands down. Uh, you know, there, I have a few favorites here in Memphis, but I... I'm speechless, as you can tell. I, I, I don't even have the words to say how awesome a restaurant this place is. Ever, I have never gone, and we, we've we been quite a bit, and had something that I did not like. If something new comes out, I try it. I've never not liked something that they've pushed out. So, Sunrise for me. It's, and it's a breakfast breakfast brunch restaurant, so they're not open, you know, all day. Uh, but yeah, that's my favorite.
1: Okay. Now this is, you're not going to expect this coming from a food guy And we've been to a lot of fantastic places, five-star restaurants, French laundry, you, you know, you name it. My favorite place to go out of town is in and out in Los Angeles, the an animal style yeah. burger. With the Animal Style Frost, well done. Well done, okay. Frost. That's, that, That's yeah, awesome. that to me is just LA. That's LA. It's. it's yeah. I mean, I know they have them in other locations now, but when you, you know, we, we sort of came into our own in Los Angeles yes. with a lot of other people who were coming into their own at the same time. And a lot of late nights were spent at In-N-Out Burger. So there's yeah. an emotional connection to it as well.
0: Well, and, for both, both it's, of you, it's
1: been a great I mean, both
0: of them, have stories so sunrise obviously there's a story as well and yeah the same thing in and out so it's it's not just the food it's the emotional connection as well
1: yeah absolutely yeah
0: um all right so last two questions for both of you what would your advice be for someone listening or watching this video who is lost or stuck has a dream and need some encouragement and some advice to, to follow their dream, what, what advice would you give them? I'd say, you know, I, I had this
1: conversation with my nephew uh, a few weeks ago, and he, he's graduating from high school, and he's thinking about what should I do with my life, and he's very talented. He, 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 he could do a lot of different things. And the advice I had for, for him is something that I learned later in life. And what I said was imagine if every profession no matter what it was actor doctor engineer astronaut they all paid the same amount of money the, you it, did, it money had nothing to do with it you you have the same schedule you have the same amount you have the same salary what would you want to do for the rest of your life find that thing and then pursue it because i think a lot of times you know we all we want, we want to be successful we want to make money in 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 money in this world for a lot of people, they think it means happiness, but it doesn't, it absolutely does not. And that's that, that can be hard for someone who doesn't have money to hear, but it's the truth. If you're doing something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That's an old quote, but it's very true. People ask me all the time, how long are you gonna be doing this? When do you do you ever wanna retire? And I never wanna retire because I'm literally doing my hobby for a living. What would I retire to do? I'm already doing my hobby. Mm-hmm. So if you find whatever that is for you, whether it's writing, whether it's being an executive at a at a fortune 500 company, if you love it and that's what you want to do and it's pa- you're passionate about that, pursue that thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. absolutely. I yeah, agree. 100,000%. CJ, yeah. what's your advice?
2: Yeah. I would say, and this is something that took me a long time to accept and embrace, but I would say take the leap of faith, you know, whatever it is, Um, Here in Memphis, we have a lot of really talented artists, talented actors, singers. Um, And sometimes I'll I'll talk to some of the younger artists or even someone who's, you know, in our age category. And I'll say, you, why don't you go to New York and, and, you know, show your pieces? And they're so afraid to move out of the Memphis, you know, scene. And, but, but, but to me, I look at their work and I see their work, not just as Memphis great, but internationally great. And I just want to push them out, you know, and say, no, go, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. And um, for me, that took a long time because, you know, when you take that leap of faith, sometimes you fall flat on your face, you know, and you're bleeding and, you know, bruised up and you're like, well, now what? But what I realized over the years is that somehow, you know, it all ends up being okay. And I think it's, to me, one of the greatest tragedies, I guess, in life is to come across someone who had this dream, who has this gift. It's still there because it doesn't go anywhere. You know, you can be 90 years old and that gift that you have, it's still there. And they didn't pursue it. And now that is one of their life's biggest regrets is they didn't take that leap of faith to do what it is they wanted to do, you know, whatever that thing is. And, um, you know, one, one quote that I do love, well, I'm paraphrasing, but from the alchemist, you know, when you when you're pursuing your, your gifts and dreams, the universe will conspire to help you. You know, I believe that, you know, when I moved to Memphis, I didn't know anyone. I just knew what I wanted to do. I knew, you know, what I wanted to try to accomplish. And you and I met because I went to a function. This is the most, I have to share this. I hope you have time, you know, for this yeah, podcast. There's a time
0: boundary on this, so
2: go ahead. Okay, it, it's, it's the most bizarre, but it was just one of those things where everything lined up. But I was in this funk. I'd had Luke. I was trying to get back into my writing career, you know, didn't know anyone here, didn't know what to do. And, you know, City Current, um, which was LPBC at the time, was hosting a talk at University of Memphis. And I remember calling Andre and I was like, I'm not going to go. He's like, no, you should go. I'm like, no, I'm not going to go. He's like, go. And so I went and i was blown away because the speaker was um tom shadia and he was talking about you know his epiphany after his accident and and amara I I sat there and not just me but there were so many people in the audience the tears were just just coming you know and and i'm not i don't cry all day every day but you know this
0: is why. this is another one that was that was, a, that was definitely one that got <laughs> emotional no question
2: yeah it, you know and um I got home and I just wanted to know who who did this? Like who brought this guy to Memphis and it was your your company. And that's how we connected. And and so I had no idea that that the trajectory of my life would literally change just because I went to hear a speaker because I needed encouragement to continue in my gifts because I was just in this kind of lost space, you know, after having, you know, tended to Luke for several years after having him and, and being in the home and now wanting to get back out of the home. So um, for me, that's what, you know, to just bring it all back to my, what I said initially is take the leap of faith. You know, and Andre and I, I will say, we, we do try, If you know, I'll have people call me who want to be actors and stuff, and and I'll say, well, let me send you to Andre. That's not really my area. But I don't think we've ever not spoken to someone or returned an email or, you know, and this is something you taught me actually is um, no matter how powerful you you may become in the community or in, in business or whatever area you're in, you always have time to help someone else. You know, Mm -hmm. we we can do that at the very least because there were so many people that have helped us along the way. The very least we can do is reply to an email from someone who's like, what do I do? You know, or return a phone call, you know, from an, an aunt whose niece, you know, wants to be an actor. So we try to do that and live up to that part of, of um, our lives being so blessed, is to pay, pay it forward. Yeah, yeah, pay it forward, pass it on. Um, but yeah, young people, I, and I don't care how old you are. You know, you can be in your 40s. If you have always wanted to go to New Mexico and take photographs of the most magnificent red rock, do it, take the leap of faith and do it.
0: Yep, absolutely, I, I love that advice. Last question, and then we'll just talk about contact information for both of you. Is you're creating your legacy every single day with what you do, your talents, your gifts, inspiring others. But years, many years from now, what do you hope your legacy is? And I'll, I'll give you grace on it; it can be individually or as a family. So, but what do you hope your, your legacy is?
2: I'll let Andre, because I think individually, it's the same as what we would want our family, inclusive yeah. of Luke. Because we're raising him to try and be a certain type of human being. So I'll let Andre. I
1: I, I want, uh, not just for my family, but for me individually, um, I want my work and my time spent here on this earth to have impacted the world in such a way that it's a better place after I'm no longer here whether that's inspiring one person or millions of people. If, I think if, if we all looked at the world through the lens of one person could make a huge impact, one individual. I mean, look at what's going on right now with, with George Floyd. That one man's life or, or tragic death has changed the world right now, and certainly our country. My son and I, we were watching Sesame Street together the other day, and they were doing, doing a town hall. And they talked about Rosa Parks, how this one lady charged this movement. Uh, so I want my life to inspire, have, have an impact that inspires the world to be better because of it.
2: Do you wanna add anything to that, CJ? That's, I feel the exact same way, j- the exact same way.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and we're raising Luke to, to embrace those same ideologies.
1: Yeah. yeah. We're all, I think we're all so powerful. We don't, I think that most people feel like they themselves, is not, a lo- and not enough. I need to have this kind of money. I need to have this sort of job. I need to be part of this, this sort of group. I need to, ha- I can't do it on my own. Who am I? But just one person can make an enormous impact, whether it's just making an impact in your family or in your friend circle or the entire world, you know, it, I, that, that's, that's a legacy I think we should all aspire to, to leading. Mm -hmm. is this person my life is better because of this person
0: yeah i agree wrap up and talk about where people can go to learn more i know that each of you have your own website so talk about website and social media and where do we go
2: so i'm cj at cjkirkland.com the website is cjkirkland.com and um andre
1: yeah, I'm Andre at andrejackson.com and that's my website andrejackson.com and you can they can find uh both of us at grandchildproductions.com. And there are links there to projects we're working on, things we've done, who we are and links to our 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 respective web- websites.
2: Yeah, and I I think for social media, I know for social media I'm the same, CJ Kirkland and Andre, you are yeah.
1: I'm I'm the same on everything. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, it's everything. Yeah, it's I'm Andre Jackson. Yeah. I am Andre Jackson.
0: You two are very well branded, which is good in terms of being able to find you. So you're, you're easy yeah. to
2: find, easy to
0: follow.
1: <laughs> we keep it simple. Yeah, listen,
2: I, like I listen, we I have Andre to thank for that. Because <laughs> when it comes to technology, <laughs>
0: I can, well, I can Look, I I love you too. I appreciate everything you do for sharing your gifts and your talents, for having a heart of just pure gold, wanting to make a difference. And like you said, leave this world and our community in a better place. And you're doing that every single day by sharing your gifts and your time. So thank you so much for coming on this podcast for everything you do. I appreciate it. We appreciate it. And uh, definitely look forward to continuing this conversation in the future. So thank you very much for being on the Change Maker Podcast. Definitely,
1: man. Thanks. This has been so much fun. Thanks for having us on.
2: Thank you for listening to the Changemakers podcast, produced by City Current and brought to you by Lipscomb and Pitts Insurance. To
0: learn more about our guests and share your stories of others leading by example, visit us online at citycurrent.com or follow us on social media using at City Current. Please make sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast wherever you listen. Now, think big, start small and act now. Be a changemaker.